Another battle victory in the war against the money power. We have achieved an inquiry into a terrible financial scandal. And the big four banks screwing customers, exploiting taxpayers. You guessed it, they're up to their old tricks. Welcome to the Citizens Report. It's the 22nd of October. I'm Robert Barwick, and I'm joined today by Citizens Party founder and leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. In this week's show, another battle victory in the war against money power corruption and the big four banks screwing customers, exploiting taxpayers. Now, before we begin, just remember if you support this, what we're saying on this show, please remember to like it. Please remember to subscribe. Please remember if you do subscribe to click the bell icon so you get notifications of upcoming shows and, and videos that we post. And also what we cover today, if you want more information, if you point to your screen, a little eye icon appears up here in the corner and that's, where, that's what will take you to the information that we refer you to. Um, but Craig, big, big, big week in Parliament. We yes. want to cover some of this. It's, it's actually been quite extraordinary. We nearly had uh, achieved four quite significant victories in terms of you know, forcing the parliament to look at certain things. We ended up getting three. Three out of four ain't bad. But I tell you what, uh, this week proved to us you don't have to be elected to parliament to actually have a big impact into how that place runs. Well, as you said, Robbie, most of the work is done outside the chamber and the chamber is a bit of a rubber stamp for what has already been discussed. Yep, and we, you, if, if citizens pay attention and focus on the important issues and express themselves and engage, you can actually be part of that process. Mm. Um, and that's what happened this week. Before we begin though, Craig, I want to I just um, note an anniversary that will be relevant later in the show. Today is the 22nd of October and that means, viewers, tomorrow is the first anniversary of Senator Kimberly Kitching in the Senate estimates on the 23rd of October last year asking uh, Christine Holgate why she had bought executives at Australia Post Cartier watches. And of course, a few hours later, the Prime Minister himself jumped up and said, she can go. And from those beginnings, we were the only party to pay attention and question what else might have been going on. And the whole scandal erupted that turned into the campaign to bring Christine Holgate back. We've got a Senate inquiry out of that. We exposed the privatisation agenda, which politically is now dead and buried as a result. And we've turbocharged our campaign for a postal bank. And you also have to ask the question, Robbie, just with the Star Trek strikes that are taking place yesterday, would they have continued under Christine Holgate? Look, you know? I, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have. No, um, Christine sure Holgate's too. a problem solver yep. par excellence. That's, yep. why this, that's why the licensed post office group, the first thing that got our attention, remember, was the licensed post office group said, She's the best CEO Australia Post ever had, right? And so a year after very unscrupulous politicians ambushed this woman for, no, for nothing she did wrong over a, a contrived excuse from two years earlier, which we'll talk about more later because it's relevant. Um, a year after that, Australia Post is in disarray, right? Christine Holgate has moved on to running Toll uh, Global Express very, very well. Um, but... 
it's exposed things that we've been able to take advantage of in our political campaigns. Yep. All right. So anyway, just I just wanted to, to um, a, a year is a, this last year has gone very fast because we've been very busy involved in this. All right. So let's get on to the to the um, the main story, Craig. Another battle victory in the war against the money power corruption, and I've called it that because it is a it is a victory in a battle, not the war. The war goes on, but this is quite important. So what's happened this week? Parliament supported a motion to establish an inquiry into ASIC and Sterling First. And regular viewers would know this is what we've been fighting for for the last three months. Um, and if you're a new viewer, um, you can find information uh, about what we've been talking about. This is huge, right? This, this is part of the courage of the, of the Sterling First victims, Robbie. I mean, we haven't seen many people stand up like this, but they did and they've won. And hung this together. part of the battle. No, no they have. And it, it, look, it is a, it, it's a massive tribute to them. These are elderly people who got snared in a scheme that they should never have um, gone near if ASIC had been doing its job, right? And that's two years, in the, for the last two years, they've had eviction hanging over their head like a sword of Damocles. Some of them have been evicted. There's 140 of these victims. 16 of them have died, suffering the mental anguish of, of, of um, uh, wondering if they're going to be thrown out in the street, right? And the politicians mostly ignored it. They didn't all ignore it, but they mostly ignored it. ASIC has tried to wash its hands of its responsibilities here. Um, and then we, when our campaign uh, on the Australia Post issue, Craig, concluded, as you know, we, we, we um, started looking into this ourselves. We did our own investigation. We wrote some excellent articles which are on our website about the Sterling First inquiry by, uh, Sterling First scandal by Melissa Harrison. Um, and that led us to, to supporting their call for an inquiry and for compensation. Um, and the last two months, it's been big. We started off with a week of calls to senators that we invited people from all around Australia to participate in, demanding an inquiry. That was followed up by a big protest in Perth in front of the, the state parliament. Um, uh, that was followed by, by some of these victims going as delegations to meet members of parliament. And, and the more they got, the victims got to do, Right, the more they more um, fired up they got, right? Um, and then last week we showed the footage. There was another camp. There was another protest. These elderly people with their wheelchairs and, and uh, Zimmer frames and whatever, you know, shuffling through the streets of Perth. Um, but because they've had to fight for their own survival, mm. the system wasn't interested. But there was a few politicians paying attention. They were able to show, use that to show their colleagues, look, this is serious, right? Suddenly, Parliament listens and we've got this inquiry. So I want yeah. to play some clips, but before that, I just want to um, uh, give a little bit of commentary. Here's the motion that was passed this week uh, in Parliament. And uh, so it basically says, the following matter be referred to the Economics References Committee for Inquiry and Report by 1st of December. Sterling Income Trust, with particular reference to the Australian Securities and Investments Commission oversight of Sterling Income Trust, the need for legislative and regulatory reform to prevent such losses in the future. That's very important. Access to justice and redress for victims of the Sterling Income Trust collapse. The novelty of the products of Sterling Income Trust, why the scheme collapsed and where the money went and any related matters. Now, that's an excellent terms of reference. However, there's a glaring omission there that we have to make sure doesn't get covered up. And just explain that simply, what happened was, these victims, these 140 victims collectively lost $18 million. But the, this, this scheme started in 2015, and at first it was called Sterling Income Trust. And in September 2017, ASIC put a stop order 
on Sterling Income Trust mm -hmm. after they'd received many complaints. And in fact, they were very late in putting that stop order. The time they put the stop order, September 2017, Craig, they, this, this scheme had extracted $6 million from these elderly pensioners that they were targeting, right? $6 million. ASI put the stop order on, good on them, but then allowed Sterling, the directors, the same people, to continue the scheme going under a new name called Silverlink. And by the time that collapsed in 2019, they'd raised another $11 million from pensioners, and so total losses are now $18 million. So we have to make sure the Silverlink people, customers, that it's all the same scheme, right? We have to make sure they don't, um, that this, is, this doesn't exclude them, and um, we will make sure that doesn't happen. Um, uh, the other thing ASIC did wrong, so, so that was a, a glaring failure by ASIC, what I just described. This is why there has to be an inquiry into ASIC. The other thing ASIC did wrong, Craig, is this. I interviewed Beryl Taylor for the Citizens Insight. It's on our YouTube channel here. Um, she never wanted to be an investor. All these people were doing was they thought they were paying up front in bulk their rent for the rest of their life. Right, hand over a big chunk of money, that covers rent for 40 years, which for them is the rest of their life. She called ASIC and said, are there any red flags about this company I need to know about? Now, I don't know how many people ASIC employs, one or 2,000 or whatever. You can't expect the person on the end of that phone to know everything about every company they're asked. But they're not just a person. They're sitting at a desk with a console of a computer in front of them. And they should be able to type in Sterling first and up comes information about this company and its directors that immediately tells them that these directors, one of them was discharged from bankruptcy the year he started the scheme. Another, he had, a, he had a, a record a mile long with financial failures. Another one had a record a mile long with financial failures. And that person into that phone should have at least had that information in front of him to say to um, Beryl on the end of her phone, well, you may be interested in the fact that the director was discharged from bankruptcy this year, do you still want to sign up? And Beryl would have said, as I asked Beryl, hell no, right? Now, I'm sure the person didn't have that information on their console, Craig, the question is why not? And I, I know from my information about ASIC, these are systemic failings that ASIC refuses to address, the government doesn't want to address them because it provides excuses. These are the cracks that the excuses come from when these things go pear-shaped for people, mm. so they don't have to change the system. Right? This is a, a glaring failing by ASIC and that's why it has to be um, addressed in this. So we have an inquiry now, that's excellent. I want to give some information in a little bit about how you can make a submission. But there's an, um, uh, I want to show you the video. <laughs> People need to see how, how, this, um, how this works in Parliament. We're going to play the video now of this, of this um, inquiry being passed. And it's a pretty boring process, but what you're going to notice Look what the government says. Senator Rustin gets up and voices the government's objection and then note how the vote goes right at the very end. Are there any formal motions? Can I start with you, Senator, on behalf of Senator Pratt? Thank you. I ask the Senate notice of motion number three be taken as a formal motion. There being no objections, taken as formal. I move the motion. The question is that the motion be agreed to. Those of that opinion say aye. Oh, sorry, Senator Rust, um, Minister. Sorry, can I just um, seek clarification? You have just moved notice, uh, business of the Senate notice for motion number three. Correct. Okay, I seek leave to make a short statement. Oh, sorry. 
Senator Rustin, go ahead. Thank you. Um, ASIC is undertaking an ongoing investigation into the conduct of a number of entities and offices within the Stirling Group of Companies. Matters relating to Stirling Income Trust have been the subject to litigation and the government does not wish to prejudice any possible future proceedings. On 19 November 2020, the Federal Court in Western Australia found Theatre Asset Management the responsible entity for Stirling Income Trust and its managing director, Mr Robert Murray, contravened the Corporations Act on multiple occasions. The court ordered Theatre to pay a penalty of $2 million and ordered Mr Murray to pay a penalty of $100,000. The government notes the impact of the failure on investors' residential tenancies are matters most appropriately considered at a state level, given these matters come under state laws. Thank you, Senator Rust. And any further contributions? Then I will put the motion. Those that opinion say aye. aye. Against say no. The ayes have it. So, Craig, what you got there, she the government doesn't want this inquiry. She, she voices a feeble objection, right? And, but then when it goes to the vote, it's just on the voices. It passes because despite the government doesn't even back up its objection with a vote. Why? Because they didn't have the numbers. Because hmm. what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, that illustrates what we said at the beginning. That's not where the sausage is made. The sausage is made outside the chamber. By the time it, that's the retail part, right? Yeah. We've been involved. They, they didn't have the numbers. This was going to go ahead. Um, now, I'm going to play another video because there was another breakthrough the next day where the same Labor senator who has, who has been um, the better person from the Labor Party involved in this and has really picked it up, Senator Louise Pratt from Western Australia, she put up this motion. I'm going to read it out to you um, because it turns out there is a document in existence and they wanted it produced. So the motion said, this is for, it's called an order for a production of documents, that there be laid on the table by the Minister for Superannuation, Financial Services and the Digital Economy by no later than 7.20pm on Wednesday, 20 October 2021, the internal review of ASIC's handling of the Sterling Group produced by a litigation council in the Chief Legal Office, which contains a factual analysis of the work undertaken by the relevant ASIC business units in relation to Sterling Group. In other words, this is an internal government review of ASIC's handling of Sterling Group, the things that I've just that I spoke about earlier. The government's already reviewed it. This is not ASIC's review of Sterling. This is the government's review of how ASIC handled this. And apparently they've been sitting on it for 18 months. Now that tells that that doesn't prove anything, but there's a good chance that means there's something very explosive in this document. Who's the who's the minister who's been sitting on it? None other than the, minister, the Senator for Bankers, Senator Jane Hume. And long-term viewers of this show would recognise that name straight away. Um, for those who, who, uh, who uh, uh, remember my reference to Christine Holgate and the anniversary, Jane Hume was sitting next to Christine Holgate a year ago tomorrow when she got ambushed like that and did nothing to... She did not do her job. We wondered if she was in on the ambush to, to make it happen like, in the way it did. She, she was conspicuously watching her phone. We, we, we made a big deal about that at the time. So this is a senator who has her whole career in there. She is, she, she's a, she's, she's comes from a banking career and she just does everything she can to protect the financial system, right? And she's the one sitting on this document. Big surprise. However, the government certainly didn't want this document to come to light. So let's play the video and let's see what happens. We will move on to one... Two four nine in the name of Senator Pratt. 
Senator Pratt. Mr President, I ask the General Business Notice of Motion number 1249 be taken as a formal motion. Is there any objection to this motion being taken as formal? There being no objection, Senator Pratt. I move the motion. Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr President. Um, I seek leave to make a short statement. One minute. Uh, thank you very much. Um, the government opposes uh, this motion. ASIC is undertaking an ongoing investigation into the conduct of a number of entities and officers within the Sterling Group of Companies. The government does not wish to prejudice the independent work of ASIC. Um, and I refer to the comments that I made yesterday on a similar motion uh, that matters relating to the Sterling Income Trust have been subject to litigation, and the government does not want uh, or wish to prejudice any possible future proceedings. The question is that the motion moved by Senator, Senator Patrick statement. is leave granted for one minute. Um, just responding to the minister, just because ASIC is conducting an investigation into something doesn't, mean, doesn't absolve the Senate from its responsibility to oversight government. Uh, secondly, uh, in relation to prejudicing uh, a, uh, a litigation, a potential litigation, Nothing tabled in the Senate can be adduced in evidence in, Order. in, a, court, in a court, and uh, uh, the, 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 the threshold for uh, prejudicing judicial pre um, proceedings is in fact substantially prejudiced. So, unless that's made out properly, the, uh, the order should be complied with. The question is: the motion moved by Senator Pratt be agreed to? Those of the opinion say aye. Aye. Against say no. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. So there you go, Craig. They didn't have the numbers for that either. No. Couldn't even back it up. The same, same def, uh, information was put up by the government in both motions. Yeah, it just repeated the same rubbish. Same thing. Yep, yep. Um, and, as, and as you saw, Rex Patrick just destroyed it. Yeah. It was a, it was a feeble, feeble excuse. So what you see, this, I've, I've made this point for a while, Craig. This Senate is actually um, pretty good. Like, yeah. it's not, let me put it this way. I don't want to overstate it. <laughs> it's not the worst. No, but it's a house of review, Robbie. And the yeah. idea is that when these sorts of issues come up, they press, they can, they can press the point. You don't have a situation yes. where the two major parties dominate the Senate. Yes, that is the role of the Senate. And for that reason, people, for that reason, if you, you know, there's all this question about. I mean, there's been record numbers of people voting for other than the major parties for quite a few years now. That's why we have this large cross bench in the Senate. Mm. When it comes to these matters, that's where the honesty comes from. And what happens is if there's enough effort like we put into the Sterling First thing and Labor steps up to the plate and realises this is something they should act on, the crossbench support's already there and the government can't hide it anymore. And might I remind you, this is a government that right now is in shameless cover-up mode. What they did this week to cover up the source of Christian Porter's uh, million dollars for his legal fighting fund, they even overruled their own speaker. That is shameless. That's the, if they want to cover something up, they will, and, but they've got to have the numbers and this time they didn't. Um, so we, we, we're yet to see what's in that report. Hopefully it will become clear next week, but that could be a big, a big contributor to this inquiry. All right, so how, how do you participate? What we're asking people to do is um, every Sterling First and Silverlink victim needs to make a submission. But if you're a victim of ASIC generally, we're putting out a call now. If you're, if, to all ASIC victims around Australia, there's thousands of you, people who have had 
terrible experiences with ASIC because, because they've been victims of financial abuse, right? And, and ASIC has just let them down big time and you, your cases are still unresolved. Please make a submission as well. Get in there and make a submission. We're going to put on the screen the details for, for how you submit to just send the email, etc., to send to the, um, uh, the Senate Economics References Committee. But tell you, put your story down on paper, email it in, make sure you emphasize what, uh, how ASIC failed you, right? So that these senators are forced to recognize that yes, the Sterling First case is a big case, but it really is just the tip of the iceberg for how badly ASIC has let down the public. And we're gonna to link to um, an article that we've just put up on our website by uh, Melissa Harrison about how the current financial system was designed for plunder. And it gives you this history since the Wallace inquiry in 1997, which deliberately unleashed the predators on the financial system, right, um, based on a philosophy. And that's what we've been dealing with ever since. The Royal Commission should have been the end of it. The Royal Commission explicitly attacked that philosophy, but the government has done everything since that Royal Commission to stop that from making lasting change. That's why an inquiry like this post the Royal Commission is so important. Right? And it follows that from, you know, uh, from the from the Banking Royal Commission, as you say, Robbie, this is the legitimate follow-on to take up those issues this government has not wanted to look yeah. at at yeah. all. I mean, people say, oh, but the Banking Royal Commission didn't do much. Well, as you said, and I totally agree, well, that's what Josh Frydenberg and Morrison have said, but that's not what's going on here. And there was such a strong spotlight shown on the corruption. It could have been a lot brighter. But the point is that there's all this corruption there that needs to be exposed even more. That's right. Um and the morality question now is for us, because you can either take the view, I oh, see, you have these inquiries and nothing changes, and therefore give up and don't do anything, or you can do what my mate Wayne Ditchburn did. And we, I did an interview, Wayne is an ASIC, Wayne epitomises the kind of ASIC victim that needs to make, an, and, he, and I can assure you, mate, Wayne Ditchburn will make a submission. But Wayne fought his bank tirelessly for 13 years. He could have given up any time. But he just hung on and hung on and hung on. And eventually, you know, he got the breakthroughs that allowed him to force his bank to um, concede that they were in the wrong, right? The result was pathetic by the bank, but at least he, he got that much. Um, and ASIC was no help at all. Um, but it's, he only got what he got because he didn't give up. And so we, as Australians, are we just going to accept that we have a financial system that doesn't service and, and is rigged to favour financial predators and big banks? If, you, if, you, if that's all you're going to do, pack up and go home. But if you don't accept that, you want to change it, fight with the Citizens Party because we keep shining the spotlight on this and we keep getting these breakthroughs and they build up and the pressure builds and the pressure builds. Um, all right, so that's excellent. What we're about to cover now is also, there's some good news in there, but... Um, uh, it, it, just, it just proves why we need to keep fighting this fight. So the big four banks, screwing customers, exploiting taxpayers. So Craig, there were two other breakthroughs this week, but one didn't end up happening. Anyway, I'll, I'll mention the first one first. Um, uh, on the notice paper on the last day, Senator Jared Rennick had put up a, a notice of motion for another inquiry into what's called sovereign capability. And it's basically about, is Australia capable of looking after itself economically? And in the terms of reference, the answer to every single one of them is a national bank, a national infrastructure bank 
that can invest in the things, National Development Bank, National Infrastructure Bank, that can invest in the things we need. He ran out of time. He literally ran out of time to get that passed. It was very, very close. So um, hopefully that there's a good chance that's going to pass when Parliament next sits and there'll be an important inquiry into that. And that can look into the real issues about how the Australian economy functions. But, so while that didn't happen, something else that did happen is um, Senator Perrin-Davey from the National Party succeeded in getting the government to establish a regional banking task force. Now this is, this is a flow-on from the campaign for Christine Holgate and Australia Post, Craig. Because we made what that campaign revealed, which I was completely ignorant of, most people were very ignorant of, how it was how, why did Christine Holgate get in trouble? Because she gave four watches two years earlier. What did she give the four watches for? To the four executives who'd landed the best deal in Australian Post history, which was to get the banks to finally pay properly for the services that Australia Post was providing their customers. And if they hadn't have landed that deal, Australia Post board was going to shut down the service. There would have been no more what's called bank at post. It would have been gone. And if that was gone, there was 1,500 communities in regional Australia that would have no more access to banking services. Christine Holgate's deal saved them because these are the communities the banks have abandoned. Her deal saved them, right? And it was a brilliant deal. So the campaign started shining a spotlight on just what a, how, how tenuous that service was, just what an issue it was. Um, and uh, the National Party realised we better get our act together and start looking at this, right? We would start putting attention on this. You, you cannot tolerate it, especially because in the last few years, the banks have accelerated, shutting down their branches, right? Now, there's a, um, uh, there's a, there's a journalist named Dale Webster, who we've reported here in the past. She has a, she has a new regional news service called The Regional, um, We'll put, her, we'll put an article on, on the screen here, you can see, but she has this great map as well. She, this year, she published a report on the problem of how much the banks have shut down branches in regional Australia. And in many towns, they are just without branches completely. No banks at all, right? Nothing. Um, uh, the overarching figure is since 1975, there are half the regional banking branches now than then. But the population would have grown, all those sort of things would have increased, but there's half. Um, so you can see this map that she's, that she's, that her, her, she's compiled the data for, where you can zoom in, um, read her article, really read her article to get a sense of it, but then zoom in and you can see the areas, look up your own area where the, where the, uh, the, um, the branches are gone. So in accelerating this, the big four banks are actually taking advantage now oh, absolutely. of Australia Post. Yeah. Um, and remember... Uh, when they got rid of Christine Holgate, this year they had to renew the deal. So the deal that Christine Holgate got them to pay for finally was $20 million a year. That's the minimum they needed to pay to, for, to properly cover the costs of Australia Post um, serving their customers. They got rid of her. This year when they renewed, the banks only paid $10 million. And that doesn't cut it. It puts the whole service at risk again. It has to be $20 million plus, right? And these banks are very profitable banks. They can easily handle that. Um, so this is banks exploiting taxpayers. And it's everywhere, yeah. including here in Coburg in Melbourne. So, Craig, tell the viewer what we've had to experience in the last little while. Robbie, look, the issue is the, these banks no longer want to serve the public. I mean, they're, they're out for profit, pure and simple. And historically, you know, when Ben Chifley was faced with the same problem, he said they should all be nationalised. Yeah. 
The issue is that the banks all look after their private profits first and foremost, and people should never forget that. I don't think people will. But, I mean, here we live in Coburg, right? Now, Coburg's part of the Moreland City Council. We're not some regional town with just no. a small population. We have 188... We're 10 k's north of the CBD. Yeah, and we, the post office is about you know, 700 metres down... The, the bank is 700 metres down the road. So we're, we live in a local government area of 188,700 people. Population density of you know seven and three thousand seven hundred per square kilometre. So we're not we're not some isolated rural community but yet. Yeah. You know, I I go down to the bank last week, and there's a sign on the door. We need to close for a while. You know, and I was totally shocked. And I hear my hear my going down there to do our business banking, which we've done every day for thirty years. You know, even when they're renovating the bank, they don't close. And what, is, what's their excuse? This, this is NAB. This National is this Australia National Bank. Australia Bank. Yep. Our customers are responding to the Australian government's advice on social distancing by using internet banking, the NAB app and phone banking more. We're aiming to keep as many branches as possible open to, the, to provide essential banking services to our customers. However, this branch is temporarily closed. Now, temporarily or permanently? We don't know. In some locations, we're using closed branches to train our staff to support more customers online and so forth via the phone. Well, great. But that, look, we have a lot of elderly people around here, Robbie. Yep, and yep. I know I've been down to our bank many times and there's a queue out the door of elderly people that don't have access to internet banking, phone banking. They are traditional bankers, yep. banking people, right? Yep. So they go through other ways to bank. Well, you can look for other branch locations. Well, that's great. I had to go 10 kilometres you know, over to Preston to, de to make a deposit. Um, and it's also transforming the way we have to do our own business because we have to look at banking once a week if we don't have a local branch. I mean, this bank is dictating how we run our own operation. Hang on, they're, incre they're actually increasing Australia's carbon footprint because you would otherwise walk to the bank. Now you've got to get in a, a gas guzzler and drive 10 k's the to bank, our banking. Look, for all the crap about uh, you know, concerns about the environment, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a phone call from the bank saying, oh, you made a, Craig, you've made a slight error in your banking deposit, which I actually didn't do. And said, oh, by the way, I want to tell you, you can no longer bank less than $500 into the bank using this facility anymore. We won't accept any deposits of cash, sorry, cash yeah. in these bags anymore because we're trying to save on plastic. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is the insanity of it. No, no, Robbie, what do we mean talking about the cash ban? Right? Yeah, yeah, These yeah. banks don't want cash, so they're making it harder for businesses, if you've got cash, to deposit it. But anyway, keep going. Um, this is a real clincher here, and I thought, you mongrels, this is yeah. what's going on here. Businesses yeah. and personal customers, including passport customers, can make withdrawals at select post offices. <laughs> right? And of course, just round the corner is our local Coburg post office. So all those people, if yeah. they knew this, by the way, yeah. could then turn around, go around the corner, go to their post office and make their deposit or withdrawal. But guess what? They get charged $3 at least for that. Now, some, some banks say, oh, you can have the first two free and we'll give you the, then it'll cost you $4 for the, each transaction afterwards. These services aren't free and it's not the post office is getting it. No. That service fee is paid to the banks, to the bank. yep. not to the post offices. The post offices get far less than that from what we understand. No, they, they just get the fixed fee of $10 million, um, but the, the, the fee the bank charges their business, and they, whack, they whacked it up. Now, on top of that, the banks are now saying, oh, you can't make deposits after next year without first going on the internet, 
recording all your banking online, then making the deposit. This is so-called for security. No, it's not. It's to save them money yeah. from having to process legitimate, normal banking uh, you know, processes. This is where the direction the banking is heading, Robbie, because this is the part of, uh, you know, the banks are only after profit. They're going to minimise, they're going to force the, the, the services onto Australia Post like they've just indicated they're going to do because they're trying to save a buck. And Craig, there's two, there's two comments I want to make. There's, one is um, people have to understand one thing that makes what the banks are doing is more um, immoral is that they have a social contract. Everybody knows, the whole world knows, the, the international creditors who lend money to Australia knows that the big four banks are the dominant, dominate our whole financial system and they'll never go under because the government will always bail them out. The whole world knows that. So there must be a trade-off. If that's true, it's, it's incumbent on them to provide the services that trade that off, right? Don't deny services to Australia. And if they're not going to do it, you're right. Chifley's right. Nationalise them. What's the, what's the use of the private element to it? The second thing is, though, this thing, because here in COVID, literally, it's, there's, the, there's the NAB and the mall starts a few blocks, a few feet away, and then there, around there is the, is the um, post office in the mall. Um, uh, a year ago, what got Christine Holgate most in trouble is she said to Kimberly Kitching, it wasn't taxpayers' money. We are a commercial organisation. And that is true by any measure. But, but the, in order to destroy her, the system lied through its teeth to say, no, it is taxpayers' money, it is taxpayers' money. Okay, then by your measure, you are allowing National Australia Bank to exploit the taxpayer of Australia by loading up these, these post office branches with queues of people to, to have to do their basic banking at great expense to the licensed post office and the post offices, right? Not to pay any extra money than on, on the bare minimum of this $10 million. That's what this government is allowing the banks to do. That's the exploitation of taxpayers' money on a massive scale by their own definition. That's why, Robbie, we've promoted for 30 years the need for a national bank. Let's have a government-owned national bank that actually services the legitimate need of the public for a banking service. Yes. Not a banking profit machine like yep. the private banks, but a banking service. That's why we've been promoting and campaigning for a postal bank, a bank that actually exists in the post office, but it's government-owned, it's government-guaranteed, and it then provides the necessary, you might say, regulatory policing action yep. that's necessary for the private banks. The private banks won't operate like this if they have a government-owned bank that is regulated for of by the people through their parliament as a service orientated facility that is necessary for the community. Because they'll lose customers. They will lose customers. Hand we'll go there. Uh, everyone right? will go. Exactly. Right? exactly. Now, we're forced out of the, we're actually being forced out of the National Australia Bank because of what they're doing. Now that's their problem. Because other banks to go to. I yep. don't want to, but we're gonna to have to be we're gonna be forced to do that. Now this, this, you know, when it comes in, in, you know, when it's in your own backyard, it becomes even crystal, more crystal clear as to what they're doing. But it absolutely stinks. Yeah, yeah. First and they came for Birdsville, but that was, <laughs> that was in the middle of nowhere, and so we did nothing. Now they're in Coburg doing it. With 188,000 people just in this little area. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. 
All right, well, this was, let's see what this task force does. We will pay close attention to it. Now, I just have to mention that the task force is made up of Senator Perrin Davey as a co-chair. Now, that's good because she's the one who moved this motion. Uh, one of the ministers, Michael Sucker, is the other co-chair. Now, Michael Sucker is the guy who tried to ban cash a few years ago. And we showed, he, we showed him what the Australian people thought of that and were capable of organising in terms of resistance. So we're going to keep him under pressure. The big four banks are part of this um, task force as well. So we, we've got to keep them under the spotlight. Australia Post is represented too, which is good, right? But we will report how this task force is going and find ways that we can encourage people to, to make uh, uh, representations to it, right? So that they're put under extreme pressure to do this properly. And this is an excellent vehicle that we'll use to campaign for a postal bank. So on that note, um, that's it for this week's uh, episode of the Citizens Report. Thanks very much for joining us, Craig, and telling yep. us that story. Thanks, Robbie. Um, Craig, Craig and I have a division of labour. He's the one who has to do things like the banking and, the, and, and that sort of thing around here. You wouldn't want me doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, he's, uh, I'm glad he brought that experience to my attention so we could cover it on the show. Um, uh, yeah, so thanks for that, Craig. Thanks to the viewer for tuning in. Make your submission. Spread the word to victims of ASIC. Make submissions to this, this inquiry. We have to make this work, but this can blow up into something very big. And tune in next week for more of the Citizens Report.